Well, praise the Lord. Amen. Um, so excited uh, this morning uh, to have uh, with us uh, Bishop Mike and Miss Karen. So we are so thankful uh, that, uh, that they are here. Uh, I know many of you have been praying for Bishop Mike and Miss Karen, and so thank you all very much uh, for that. And, uh, and doesn't he look wonderful? Uh, praise the Lord. We're so thankful. And I was just smiled and excited when I saw him uh, walk in the door uh, this morning. So thank you, Bishop, Miss Karen, for being here uh, with us today. We're very grateful. Um, well, praise the Lord. Wow, what a, what a good time we've already had this morning. Amen? Aren't you thankful for God's presence, God's blessing? Yes, it's a wonderful thing to be together as a church. It's a secret. Don't tell anybody how wonderful and powerful uh, that it is. No, no, I'm kidding. Tell everybody. Tell everybody. Amen. Well, we are, uh, you know, one Sunday after, after Easter, uh, and um, honestly, I, f- I feel like God wants to say something to us this morning. Like He wants to say something to, to you this morning and, and to you uh, this morning, just, just to speak uh, into uh, our lives. You, you know, when you look into the Gospels, um, after Easter, not everything was okay. After the, the resurrection, not, not all trouble went away. There, was, there, were, there were things that, that took place and, and, and things that, uh, that happened. And, uh, and, and, but Jesus was still Jesus. And He was still working. And He was still uh, moving. And He was still able. Um. I don't know about you, but you know, just throughout this Easter season, just just focusing in on just because of the calendar, focusing in on Christ a little bit more. Uh, I have just remembered. I, I can't stop thinking about Palm Sunday, where he where he comes riding in, gentle and humble. I've just been reminded of his of his gentleness, of our Lord and Savior's gentleness and his and his compassion and his and his mercy, and, and his grace, and his love uh, for us. You know what else? As, as I've been you know, looking into the Gospels, I'm, I'm reminded of, uh, of his wisdom, and his, and his knowledge, and his, and his understanding, his, his knowing, if you will. He, he knows. Like, like Jesus was never caught off guard or surprised. He, he knew. He, he was aware he even says that he knew what people were thinking and, and would call them out on their, on their thoughts. And, and he, knew, he knew where everyone was. And he knew why they were there. And he knew what they needed. Don't you love the story of Zacchaeus? Like, like there's no way that any of us would have known that this little wee little man was up a tree. And, and, and his name, where he was and who he was and, and what he needed, but Jesus did. Jesus went, Jesus knew where he was, Jesus knew who he was, and Jesus knew what he needed. And, and you know what else I love about, I love about the story of Jesus that, that is still happening today? Is not only did he know where he was, but he went to him. I, I love his, uh, I, I made up a word this morning. I love his, or maybe this is a hashtag, I don't know how all that works. It, for some reason my mind does not connect. Joy has tried to explain it to me many times, but, but maybe it's a hashtag. I don't know. I love Jesus's, I love his come after us-ness. 
I love how he runs us down and finds us and knows where we are and knows what we need. I, this morning, don't know where all of you are. I mean, I know you're here. And, and I know you're probably where you are, but I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're feeling, what you're struggling with, what, what, what's come against you. I don't, know, I don't know where you are, but Jesus does. And I don't know exactly what you need if God hadn't, of, without the help of the Lord, but, but, but He does. He knows. You, you know, after the, one, one of the, the great stories after the resurrection is, is, is the story of Jesus coming and finding Peter. Because Peter was, Peter was in a place that he really didn't want to be, that he didn't need to be, a place that he couldn't stay. And Jesus knew where he was, and he knew what he needed, and it was Jesus that went after Peter. It was his, his come after usness that was revealed. Is that a hashtag? That's a hash, it's a hashtag. Come after usness. Hashtag it. Facebook it. Hashtag it. He, he came after him because he, because he knew where he was. And he, and he knew who he was. And he, and he knew what he needed. And Jesus came and he called Peter and they went for a walk and Peter was never the same again. Maybe today, maybe today we need to go for a walk with the Lord. Walk with Him. And, and in that walk with Him, He'll do for us what we need Him to do for us. I wanted to remind you of the, of the wisdom and the knowledge of God before we move, move too far. Uh, that, is, uh, that, that is declared by Paul in Romans 11. I love this passage of Scripture. I'm sure you do uh, as well. Romans 11, uh, 33. This is, this is how Paul ends uh, Romans 11. Uh, and, uh, and, and this is a, you know, we, we, we jump on this and we, and we read this and we declare this, but, but this is such a fitting way for Romans 11 to end because, because Romans has been a little bit of a difficult book. And... And, and especially when you get into, into 9 and 10 and, and 11, there, there are things there that many people would read and, and maybe struggle with and, and have difficulty with. And so, so Paul, before he moves on into, into Romans 12, he reminds us of God and who He is and His wisdom and His knowledge and His understanding and, and His work and His purpose and this is what he says. He says, oh, I love oh. And it, just, it, just, it, it, just, it just gives us, if we can, the bigness of what it really is. He says, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. The, the depth of, of God's wisdom. The depth of God's knowledge. Oh, the depth of it. it it's beyond us. We can't grasp it or, or understand it. God is operating at a wisdom that is beyond our, our comprehension. And He knows. God knows. It's a good thing for us, to, for us to just surrender ourselves to the wisdom and the knowledge of God. And to say, I am not wise. God is. And I do not know. God knows. 
This is one of the major troubles in our culture right now, is, is we think we've outwised God and we've outknown God, that, that our wisdom and our knowledge has risen above the Almighty. What a dangerous place to be. That, that God doesn't know His own creation, that we know better than He does. We don't. God knows. His wisdom and knowledge are beyond us. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. You, you know what comes to my mind? Um, it's so funny. This is probably not a good illustration, but did, did you ever watch DuckTales? Woo! <laughs> I don't, see, I don't, I don't like pr- plan these things. It's just the Holy Spirit. You, know, it's just, you, you remember Scrooge McDuck? It's so much riches that he would swim in it. You know, he'd dive off and, and, and somehow he didn't like, on all that money, he didn't splat. He just, like it was water, and he'd get in there and just swim right through all of his money. That, don't you get that picture? Oh, the depth of the, of the wealth of Scrooge McDuck, right? Nothing compared to, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. woo How unsearchable his judgments, his past beyond tracing out. We we don't know what God's doing. We don't know how he's doing it. We don't even know how exactly we fit into it. Right? This is this is why uh, Proverbs 3:5 is so relevant, right? Because we're not as wise anywhere near the wisdom of God or his knowledge and and we don't we don't know what he's doing. His paths are beyond tracing out. So we trust him because we don't understand. With all of our hearts, we lean not on our understanding because it's, because it's, just, it's just shallow compared to the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable His judgments, His past beyond tracing out. This is what Ecclesiastes 3 is saying. When, 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 it says, when, when Solomon says that God has set eternity in our hearts, Like we know that there's eternity, we know that there's bigger, and we know that there's more, yet we do not know what God has done from beginning to end. We don't know what he's done from beginning to end, from the beginning to the end, and we don't know in our own lives what he's doing with us, through us, for us, and by us from our beginning to our end. His past beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? Who? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. If, if you need like a vision statement for your life, go ahead and make it that. Make it, make it that my life is from Him and it's through Him and it's for Him to are all things. It, 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 for me, to live is Christ. It's, it's to bring Him glory and honor forever. Amen. The knowledge, the wisdom of God, the, the moving and, and, and the workings of the Lord. Who can understand it? Who can know it? God knows we do not. God knows what we 
need. He knows where we are. Today, I don't know where all of you are. I don't know where all of you are, but God does. And He knows what you need. And He still has His come-after-us-ness. We still live in His gentleness, His patience, His kindness, His mercy, His grace, His love. We still are under His pursuit. You, you, you remember you, you remember in the in Genesis 3 in the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve had messed up. And in their, in their messed up place, God comes. He comes after them. And they hear him walking through the garden in the cool of the day. And, and what do they do? They, they run and they hide from God. I, I don't know. I don't know where you are today. I don't know where you are. Maybe, maybe you're hiding. Maybe you're, in a, maybe you're in a hiding place. I don't, I don't know where you are, but God does. And God asks the question. He says, where are you? Right? Not because he doesn't know. God asks the question of them because he wants them to know. Because he wants them to think about where they are. Why, why have you always run to me to walk with the garden, to walk in the garden with me, and now you're running away from me and hiding from me. Where are you? He asks them that question. Do you remember the? You remember when Elijah kind of does this as well? After this incredible encounter with the Lord on Mount Carmel, and fire comes down from heaven and consumes the altar, and he's got this powerful anointing upon him to pray, and the rain comes, and then to run before the rain, and God does this amazing thing, and then you get into 1 Kings chapter 19, and Jezebel says, I'm going to kill you, prophet. You done messed up. I'm coming after you. You're, you're dead. You're gone. And, and what does Elijah do? Elijah runs. And he, and he runs for 40 days and 40 nights to a, to a place where, where God never told him to go. And who comes after Elijah? God does. God runs him down. God comes after him. And, and what does he ask him? It, it's, that same, it's that same, where are you question. He says, Elijah, what are you doing here? Why are you in this place? I never, I never told you to, to come here. God knew where he was, and he knew who he was, and God knew what he needed. It's the same thing with the story of Peter, and the same thing with the story of Zacchaeus, and the same thing with the story of Matthew, and many, many others, and our story as well. You remember that time when God ran you down? I do. I remember when he ran me down and knew where I was and who I was and what I needed. And, and, and you know, most of the time, what we need, most of the time what we need is we need a word from God. We need God to speak we don't exactly always know that's what we need, but most of the time what we need is for, is for wherever we are, for God to come and speak to us where we are what we need. Now, we find, I think, this, the same thing true in, a, in Judges chapter 6, where, a, where we find the people of Israel in, in a great deal of trouble, and we're introduced 
uh, to a guy named Gideon, uh, who we all probably love, the story of Gideon. Uh, but it, but it's, it's a powerful uh, story uh, because, uh, because Gideon finds himself in a place uh, where, where he doesn't really need to be, a place where he really shouldn't be, and God knows where he is. And God, God comes to that place and gives Gideon what Gideon needs. He just speaks to Gideon seven words. And in seven words, God can say to us everything that we need to hear. I want to start in, <clears throat> like losing my voice or something. Maybe it was the woohoo. I don't know. Gideon, Gideon, I mean, uh, Gideon chapter one. <laughs> I, was, I said Gideon. I was going to say Gideon chapter one, but it's Judges chapter one. Um, not Judges chapter one. Judges chapter six, verse one. Again, please pray for me. I'm like singing DuckTales and, and, and uh, giving Gideon a book of the Bible. And... Okay, uh, Judges chapter 1, Judges chapter 6, verse 1. The Israelites did evil uh, in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive. The, the power of Midian is so oppressive. Like, like in this story, Israel is not just oppressed, oppressed, they are so oppressed. The Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted the crops, their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza. And, and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. You see how, how oppressed they are and what a difficult place they're in. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. Always a good thing to do. If you don't know what to do, crying out to the Lord for help is a good place to start. If, you, if you've ever like just kind of run into it and you, and you just, I don't even know where to go from here. I don't even know what to say. I, I don't even know what to do. I don't, I don't know how I got in this place and, and I don't want to be in this place. A good place to start to get out is to cry out to the Lord for help. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. See, I told you. Most of the time, what you need is a word from the Lord. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians. I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. And that's it. And that was the word of the Lord. 
It doesn't, I wonder if the Israelite, like, like when I read that, I'm like, okay, what next? Is there more? Now, now you're going to come and you're going to smash them? Now you're going to come and you're going to set us free? Now you're going to come and you're going to destroy them? And, that, and that's it. He just, but you've not listened to me. And, and they're like, okay, okay, but now what? Now what's the word, right? And, 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 and the story shifts a little bit, but I wonder how much of a gap there is between verse 10 and, and, verse, and verse 11. I wonder how much time goes by. Because, because God's not done, but it kind of seemed like maybe he was. Then we pick up the story in verse 11. It says, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abazarite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. So, so here we find Gideon, and right off the bat, we see that, that Gideon is not in a wine press pressing wine, that he is in a wine press uh, threshing wheat to hide it, and it says the reason why, is to hide it from the Midianites. So, so the oppression is still going on, and Gideon is, is hiding in, in a place of hiding, and, and he's probably in a place of fear. And, and we find as we read a little bit further into the story that Gideon is in a place of doubt. All, all of these places are not really where God wants him to be. They're not where God has called him to be. But, but God sends the angel, and the angel comes right here to where Gideon is, because even though he's hiding from the Midianites, he's not hiding from God. God knows where he is, and here again, we see God's come after usness as he runs down Gideon right where Gideon is. Now, now I, I can imagine, I, I think, as you read a little further in the story, you, you kind of sense Gideon's frustration that, that I think Gideon is probably among the number of those who have cried out to the Lord, who have said, Lord, we're, we, are, we are surrounded on every side. Everything we try to do, they're destroying, they're, they're ruining. Lord, what can we do? Lord, we need your help. We're crying out to you. And God sends a prophet and says, hey, I've done this before. I told you I'm your God. I want, to, I want you to be my people. Don't worship the gods of, of the nations around you, but you've not listened to me. You've ignored me. You've not, you've not paid attention to me. You've not listened to me. And, and I wonder how Gideon heard that. I wonder if Gideon heard, you've not listened to me, and, and so now he believes that, that God's done with them. I wonder how many are in a place where, where, where you think, you know, we've, I've turned away from the Lord, I've seen his goodness and tasted of it a little bit, and I've turned away and, and run other directions and run after other things, and, and now I'm in a place where I feel like God's just done with me. I think Gideon might have kind of been there a little bit. God's done with me. I've had my chance, and my chance is over. God's, God's finished. God's done. Or, or maybe you're in a fearful place, and, and you're hiding out because of, because of many fears in your life. Or, or, or maybe you know, you're in a doubting place where, where you doubt God. You doubt his plan. You doubt who you are. Gideon could have been in all of these places that many of us can easily find ourselves in. But I want you to know that, 
these places that we run to apart from God, where we run and we hide, where we run and we doubt, where we run and we fear, where, where you know, maybe Peter was in, was in just a, a guilt-shameful place. He just was so disappointed in his own self for having betrayed Jesus, denied Jesus, that he just, that he just couldn't, couldn't bring himself to even face the Lord hardly. I don't know where you may be. I don't know where you may be. But again, God knows where you are. And He knows who you are. And He knows why you are where you are. And He knows what you need. And I'm here to tell you this morning that God's not done with you. Because God has come after you today. And He wants to tell you something that you need to hear. I know this is true as I, was, as I was praying after Easter. Lord, what do you want me to do? God just spoke to me. I know He did to say this to the people. And this is what He said to Gideon. And this is what He says to us. He finds Gideon threshing wheat in the wine press to keep it from the Midianites hiding out. We know Gideon's fooled out. We'll find out that he is. And the angel of the Lord. Let me just remind you. Just, just, can I just read that again? And the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon. This is not some ordinary somebody. This is the angel of the Lord. You, you remember in... In Luke chapter 1, when, when Gabriel shows up to Zechariah, and, and Zechariah questions what Gabriel says about John the Baptist, and, and, Gabe, and Gabriel, Gabriel says, he says, I am Gabriel. I'm the angel of the Lord. I stand in the presence of God. I just don't run around saying anything. I, God speaks to me to go and speak, and I go say exactly what he said. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and he said and he said this The Lord is with you mighty warrior Isn't that seven words That's interesting isn't it I love the number 7 Seems like God does The Lord is with you mighty warrior This in Gideon's time of need in Israel's time of need, what they needed was a word from the Lord. What Gideon needed was a word from the Lord. And what God speaks is the very word that Gideon needs to hear. And I'm telling you, the Lord wants to say this to us today. He wants to say this to you today, that the Lord is with you Mighty warrior. I don't, know, I don't know where you are, but wherever you may be, whether it's a place of fear or, or doubt or, or shame or guilt or, or rebellion, I don't know where it is, but wherever it is, that's what you need. You need to know wherever you are that the Lord is with you and that you are a mighty warrior. Isn't it amazing how God can say so much in only seven words that He can tell us everything we need to hear in just seven words when we find ourselves in the place where God never told us to go, 
where God never intended for us to be, what we need to get out of there, what we need when they're in there, when we're in there, is just seven words. The Lord is with you. Mighty warrior is all that you need to know. It is all that you need to hear. It was all that Gideon needed was God is with you and you are a mighty warrior. Now Gideon's about to question God on this. Maybe because he forgets about the depth of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who can understand what God has done from beginning to end? Who are you, Gideon, to question God? If he says he's with you, he is. If he says you're a mighty warrior, you are. Throw it down and surrender to it because it's just true. And you say, well, maybe this is for somebody else this morning, but it's not for me. No, no, no. You forget God's, God's come after us-ness. He's run you down today. He knows you're watching or listening or here, and He has something to say that we need to hear in this day and age, in this time where we've had so much against us and we could be in so many wrong places. God says to us today, I am with you and you are a mighty warrior. Hallelujah. And that, that is all you need to know. It tells you everything you need to be told. It reminds us of three very important things that are true for each and every one of us. The Lord with you reminds us of the promises of God. His promises are true. They are true for you. 2 Corinthians 1 tells us that when we are in Christ Jesus, all of God's promises, and they are many, are yes for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. And so we say yes and amen to the promises of God. We say today, as God speaks His promise over us, that He is with us, we say to that, yes, amen. We don't say no, God. No, you can't be with me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know who I am. You don't know where I've run. You don't know what I've faced. You don't know how I feel. You don't know the doubts that I have. We can't say no to God today. We're just going to say yes to Him no matter where we are. Because He's speaking to us and saying to us, I am with you. We are reminded today of the promises of God that are for us. And so we say yes to them, and we say amen to all of God's promises, and they are many, but the one to me that rises to the top of the list is this one right here. The Lord is with you. If God be with us, for us, 
Who can be against us? This is what God spoke to Moses. That was all Moses needed to hear. It's what God spoke to David. That was all that David needed to hear. It's what God spoke to, jo- to, to Joshua. That was all that, da- that Joshua needed to hear. It's what was continually said of Joseph. That apparently he clearly knew that the Lord was with him. The Lord is with us. We are reminded of his promises. And then, then he powerfully says, mighty warrior. And we are reminded not only of God's promises, but we're reminded of God's purpose. Of God's purpose that that he has called us and chosen us to war. We are here to fight. We are here for war. There is a purpose of God upon our lives and it's not to hide and thresh wheat and survive. You are a mighty warrior. The reason you're a mighty warrior is because God has put you here with a purpose to battle, to go to war, to fight. And I'm not talking about fighting flesh and blood, right? Right? Because our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is against spiritual forces of darkness, against our enemy, the devil. He, he is our adversary. He is our enemy. And we will not hide from him and thresh wheat and just try to survive. There's a call of God on our lives to war, and we will go to war against the enemy and combat the darkness and shine the light of Christ. It's time for the church to just hear this this morning. It's time for the church to just hear this. We are not called to hide and seek. We are called to war against the enemy, against the darkness, and we will overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimonies, and we are not afraid to lay down our lives. That's why we're going to camp, and and, and kids camp, and youth camp, and we're stirred up to do it because it's time to fight for the next generation. We're going to fight for our children and our youth. We're not just going to let the dragon come down and gobble them up without any opposition. God has a call on our lives, and He's called us to war. We're reminded not only of His promises, but we're reminded of His purpose. And then in, in, in just two words, not only are we reminded of His purpose, but we're reminded of His person. That, and I don't mean His person. I mean, I mean the person that we are in Him. The person that we become in Christ Jesus. That not only are we called to war, but in Christ Jesus, we are mighty warriors. Hallelujah. We are mighty warriors. Not only called to battle, but we are gifted and and able and, and have become mighty warriors to go out and go to war against the dragon against that ancient serpent, the devil, who is a liar and a deceiver and a destroyer, and we will oppose him and fight against him because we are mighty warriors. Here here we are reminded of of who we are as, as mighty warriors and reminded of what our purpose is to war and reminded that we have the promises of God and, and one of the main ones, that He is with us. You see here in just seven words how God speaks to Gideon and to us 
everything that we need. Like only God can do in just seven words. And isn't it amazing how all of this connects and, and comes together. It's, it's like a three-strand cord that is not easily broken. When, when you see and you get this and you understand it and you say yes to it, you say yes to the purpose of God to war. And then you recognize that, that God has called me to war and then he has made me a mighty warrior. Isn't the, isn't the wisdom and knowledge of God something? And he's, he's called me to war and made me a warrior so that I am made to do the thing that God has called me to do. My hands can bend a bow of bronze. They are, they are trained and skilled for battle. I am gifted to clothe myself in the armor of God and to lay hold of the sword of the Spirit and go to battle. I am a mighty warrior called to war. And then, not only am I called to war and am a mighty warrior, but then I have the promise that the mighty warrior goes with me. That we go into battle not alone, that God is with us. The Lord is with you, and you are a mighty warrior. God's promise, God's purpose, spoken to God's purpose, and that is all that we need. It should stir us to do the things that God's called us to do, the people to be the people that God has called us to be, reminded that He is with us and that we are mighty warriors. Now, now this is not what Gideon was expecting to hear. This is not what Gideon thinks that he needs to hear. How many, how many, how many of you know that, <laughs> that oftentimes God comes and he speaks, and he speaks to us not what we want to hear, but what we need to hear. He speaks to us, uh, and when he speaks, we're surprised by what he said. But what he said comes out of his wisdom and out of his knowledge and is exactly what we need spoken to us just at the right time that we needed to hear it. This isn't what Gideon was expecting to hear. It's not what he wanted to hear, but it is what Gideon needed to hear. The Lord is with you, and you are a mighty warrior. God's promise, God's, God's purpose spoken to God's person. Now, Gideon's going to argue with God and, 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 and complain and and give reasons why all of this isn't right and, and all of this isn't true. He's going to start right off the bat here in verse 13. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? See, these questions, it's like a valid question, isn't it? You're asking that question, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. He's God, he, see, see how he took that? That God has abandoned us. 
He's turned away from us. He's, he's given us into the hand of Midian. There's just, there's just so much. There, there's doubt. He's in a place of doubt. And, and he's, he's even in a place where he's a little bit offended and upset with God. You can see all this happening right here. He's, he's doubting God. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I, am not, am I not sending you there again? I'm with you, and I am sending you. And then Gideon says, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. So now, so now he's not, not only doubting the Lord, but now he's doubting himself as well. Like, that's probably like a place where many people are right there. Especially when like some crazy preacher stands up and starts to shout, shout at you, the Lord's with you. You're a mighty warrior. You're called to battle. You're called to war. And you're like, yeah, not me. No, sir. Maybe you, crazy preacher. Somebody else. That's what, that's what Gideon's saying right here. He's saying, no, 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 no. No, I, I think you've got the wrong guy. He could probably name some guys that, that the Lord should have been speaking to. Right? He's, what's he saying to God? He's saying, Lord, you're wrong. He says, you've got it messed up. You're mistaken. But didn't we just read Romans 11? I know Gideon didn't have that, but we do. Oh, the depth of the, of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. God's not wrong. Right? I, I struggled with this myself. Right? As God spoke to me, I'm with you. You're called to war. You're a mighty warrior. I said, no, Lord, not me. Not me. You've got the wrong guy. Don't you, don't even, don't you know who I am? I, I thought you should. You created me, right? Shouldn't you know who I am? Don't you know that I'm the, the weakest from the weakest? Which, by the way, when you research, it doesn't seem true. Like he's even mistaken about what is actually right. Mm. Maybe more than anything else, we're in a place of doubting ourselves. You say, certainly this is for someone else, but this is not for me. No, 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 no. No. God's speaking to us. He's running us down. He's speaking to you. And, and, and it's a good time today to stop saying no and to stop doubting and to say yes and amen to the word of the Lord spoken to you. The Lord is with you. You are called to war. And you are a mighty warrior. And you can go to battle because the mighty warrior is with you. Have you never heard that, that you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength? Just surrender to that truth. Stop doubting and believe God is with you. You are called. He has a plan and a purpose. And you are up to it. He created you in Christ to do it. Ephesians 2.10 We are God's creation. His workmanship. In Christ Jesus we are created to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Stop doubting. Knock it off. God is calling us. 
He is with us. We are His people. His promises are for us. He has a purpose for our lives. We're called to it and created to do it. We are not the least. We are not the weakest. When God speaks and says, you are a mighty warrior, if you were the least and the weakest, that ceases right there when God spoke it. Right, Because His Word goes out from His mouth. It accomplishes what He said it would accomplish. It does not return to Him void. What He said, He will do. He is not a man that He should lie, or the Son of Man that He would change His mind. If He has spoken it, He will accomplish it. If God says He's with you, then He is. If He says you're a mighty warrior, then you are. And if you were weak, and, and, and the least, and unable, when God spoke it, that ended right then and there. Because His Word creates, and changes, and transforms. There, there, was, there was in the beginning God, and there was darkness, and, 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 and nothingness, and then what happened? God spoke, and everything shifted, and everything changed. And today God speaks, and says, I'm with you, and you are a mighty warrior, and this is over, and it comes to an end, and it ceases to exist, and it is no more, so we'll not embrace it or believe it another day. Yes, hallelujah. Amen. And the Lord answered, I, I will be with you, say it again, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites leaving none alive. I will be with you. You will go to war. You will be victorious. We, we, if we will be who God has called us to be, if we will accept the warrior that we are and, and say yes and amen to his purpose and his promise, I'm telling you, you will not be defeated you will be victorious. You will win. And Gideon replied, if, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. So, so Gideon now wants a sign. Maybe you do. Maybe you do too. Maybe, not, you know, I'm still not convinced. I would like a sign. So, so here's, he says, please, Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I'll, I'll wait until you return. And Gideon went inside, prepared a young goat, and from an ephah of flour he made bread without yeast. Putting the meat in a basket and its broth in a pot, he brought them out and offered them to him under the, rock, under the oak. Under the oak. Uh, here we see God's patience, right? That had to take a while, didn't it? And the angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread, place it on this rock, and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. And then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of his staff that was in his hand, and fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. That's always kind of a big deal. Just disappear. Right there. So, so, so Gideon asked for a sign, and and he so he brings out this this meal, and the angel uh, touches it with the staff, and fire 
flares from the rock consuming the meat and the bread. It, it kind of reminds me a little like a small scale of, of Elijah on Mount Carmel and the fire comes down and, and burns the altar. This, this fire coming and, and bringing a sign that, that God is God. This, this fire coming and bringing this sign to Gideon that, that this is the Lord speaking. Now, now those are good signs, right? I, I mean, I'm, I'm cool with those, but, but, they, but they seem to, to not compare to the sign that we have. The sign that has been given to us that Jesus is who he says he is, right? We celebrated it last weekend, and we often need to be reminded of it. It's the sign of the empty tomb. Jesus said, you want to know that I am who I say I am. You want to know that my word is true and my promises are yes and amen. I'm going to die on a Roman cross, be buried in a rich man's tomb, and on the third day I will rise again. And he did, and that sign enough for me. You are a mighty warrior, and God is with you, and you say to him, you're going to have to give me a sign, prove it. He did. He died for you, showing his love. He was buried in a tomb, and on the third day, he rose again, saying that everything that the enemy have is under his feet. He is God Almighty. He is with us, and if he says you are a mighty warrior, you are a mighty warrior. Then the, the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that this was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, peace, do not be afraid, you are not going to die. So, so, so kind of all of this time, Gideon hadn't totally understood that this is the angel of the Lord. And, and so because of it, there hasn't been that normal fear that comes when, when someone encounters the angel of the Lord, that almost always happens. But here he realizes this, this is the angel of God. And then the fear comes because he's recognizing this is, this is the angel. I've seen him face to face. This is God speaking. This is God saying this. And, and, and the Lord's answer to him in, in this time, because who knows now what Gideon's feeling. He's all of a sudden feeling like, like Man, I'm not worthy of this. I don't deserve this. This shouldn't be for me. And God speaks to him, and, and he says, yeah, yeah peace. Peace. Don't, don't be afraid. You're not going to die. This, be at peace, Gideon. I'm, I'm here not to destroy you. I'm here to restore you. I'm here not to, not to judge you. I'm here to, to build you up. I've, I've not come to, 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 to run you down. I've come to, to make you into who you're called to be. This is God, his, his come after us-ness, not to, not to join in the enemy in accusing us. And reminding us of how worthless and unworthy we are, God has come to Gideon to call him to who he has called him to be. In the same way, he comes to us today. And the Lord says to him, peace, do not be afraid, I'm not going to die. And then, you're not going to die. And then Gideon, Gideon does this. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, the Lord is peace. To this day, it stands in Ophrah of the Abazarites. 
He says right there to him, be at peace, Gideon. I'm not here to kill you. I'm here to save you. I'm not here, I'm not here to judge you. I'm, I'm here to forgive you. I'm not here to destroy you. I'm here to restore you. Be at peace. And Gideon builds an altar there and he says, the Lord, the Lord is peace. God is peace. This, this is what Paul tells us in Ephesians 2. He says that, that because of Jesus, there is now peace with God. He says that Jesus came preaching peace to those who were far away and peace to those who were near. Preaching peace to us that were far, peace to those who were near, that we should all become one in Christ Jesus, that we should no longer be foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens in God's kingdom and children in God's household. We are not at war with God. We are at peace with God. We are not at war with Him. We are His warriors. You are worthy of this because God has run you down and said you were. You are, you are worth His promise because He has proclaimed it over you. You are worthy of being a warrior in His army. He proved it by shedding His blood. We are going to be victorious. He proved that by rising again. It, it seems today that that the time of saying no to God and hiding from God and running away from Him and arguing with Him should come to an end. We are reminded of His resurrection. We are reminded of the peace that He brings. And today we are reminded that we are His warriors called to war and He is our God who is with us and will never leave us or forsake us. I almost feel like saying, and maybe I just will go ahead and do it, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Let us pray. Lord, we pray this morning that the eyes of our heart and the ears of our spirit would be open, that we would see you for who you are, that we would hear your word and receive it, as you speak to us that you are with us, we say yes and amen to this. As you speak to us that we are mighty warriors, we say yes and amen to this. And we ask you to remove from us all fear and all doubt, to lead us out of the places that we have run that we should never be, and help us to step in to who you've called us to be, to what you've called us to do, and to, and, to, and to fearlessly, as the warriors were called to be, go to war against the darkness. Go to war against our enemy. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to ask you this morning, if you felt like that, that you've been at war with God, that, that, that your guilt and your shame have just overwhelmed you and run you away from Him, if you feel like maybe you're hiding from him, but, but today you know that he's come after you today. You're experiencing right now his, his come after us-ness. And you just want to 
you want to say yes to him and his promises and, and say yes to who he's called you to be and created you to be and, 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 and wants you to do. If you just want to say yes to Jesus this morning, I just ask you to raise your hand. Yes, amen. Yes, I see your hand. Yes. Yes, I see your hands. Yes. If you're just raising your hand online, or if you're listening, just raise your hand where you are. My hand's up. My hand's up with you to just say yes to Jesus again this morning. Let's just pray together, everyone just repeating after me. Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. And I believe that I am a mighty warrior. I say yes to you, Jesus. And I say yes to your purpose. And I say yes to your promises. Jesus, I receive your forgiveness. Take away my shame. And Jesus, don't only be my Savior, but also my Lord and my forever passion. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thankful for the Lord's presence. Hey, the, uh, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Go to battle and go to victory. God bless.